Welcome back to the EchoCast, a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. I am your host, Bon, and this week we'll be talking about PlayStation's rumored handheld, Xbox's new memory cards, badly aged Mass Effect things, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A big thanks to supporter-level patrons PK, The Don, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Gaming news. This week, we have nine stories. The first story is PlayStation's handheld rumor. Insider Gaming, headed up by Tom Henderson, put out a pretty lengthy report about a rumored and probably pretty likely PlayStation handheld that is in the works. It's important to consider that just because something is in the works doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen. We know that there was the Xbox streaming gizmo uh, or you know, the, basically a new platform they were going to release that even appeared in the background of... Um, one of the you know the, the head Xbox people's uh, streams, but it's not coming out, or at least as far as we know, it's not coming anytime soon. So take these rumors for what they are. They're rumors. The interesting thing is that um, a lot of people this week reported on the story being like, oh, PlayStation's trying to compete with the Steam Deck. Well, a big part of the rumor is that this will be a streaming slash remote play device, and it may only be a remote play device. What that means is it would require a PlayStation 5. So this would be a add-on to your PlayStation. And what remote play is, is Xbox has had this for a long time, and I think that PlayStation does as well. But Xbox has had it at least back to the Xbox One, um, where you would open up an app on another device, a PC, a phone or a device like this one and you aren't streaming a game from a data center uh, that like Microsoft or Sony owns you're actually streaming the game wirelessly through the internet from your console I actually used this in my very first streaming setup Uh, it was very janky but the way I had my stream set up was I had OBS which is the program you use to stream And a lot of people have like capture cards or if they play on PC, they just capture the game on their computer. Well, I opened up the Xbox app. I streamed my Xbox to my PC and I captured that stream and used that as my stream. So if you somehow were able to see my streams from four or five years ago, you would see that their quality was really bad. Now, that was for multiple reasons, but uh, it was especially because I was doing this remote play. Uh, that also meant I was playing from that, and um, and there is lag. And, and so that gets into a discussion here that's really interesting. I've seen a lot of takes on this. I've seen some people being like, oh, this would be perfect. This would be a great addition to PlayStation. And and I'm curious about that. I, I think if you had a... Like, like like a new Vita or something 
that could play the games natively on the system, then this is probably a pretty good idea. If it can do remote play and streaming, that's okay. But if it can only do remote play, I, I think that's dead on arrival. Um, because when you think about, you know, the, the places people are going to play uh, on this system, um, sure, it could be in your house connected to Wi-Fi uh, in the same, uh, you know, building or same you know home as your actual PlayStation 5. So remote play will work pretty well in that situation. Even if you're out of your home and maybe you're somewhere that has a really good internet connection and you have a really good internet connection at home, that could work okay. But this is a system that like wouldn't work on the bus, even if your bus has Wi-Fi or on a plane, even if your plane has Wi-Fi, because the latency is gonna be insane. It's not gonna work. Um, this would be the same issue with a streaming device. They're, the one advantage to streaming, where this is where I'm talking about that Sony or Microsoft has a bank of, of, uh, of computers, that uh, data centers that they control, which oddly enough are actually run by consoles. Um, I think the PlayStation is still using PS4 consoles, I would assume. I do believe Microsoft has upgraded theirs to Series X. I could be wrong. Please correct me if I am. But those are at least like optimized to do streaming where your one console may not be. So the streaming in some situations may work a little better than remote play, but is obviously going to pale in comparison to natively playing on your handheld. Now you come to the issue of, you know, the native play. So people would say like, well, why, why don't they just make a handheld that can play the PlayStation games at 1080p or 60 FPS on, on a device. We've seen it from the stream, the stream deck or the steam deck, sorry. And from other devices that have been popular for a long time, the steam deck was just more affordable and more well-known. They had steam's marketing power, right? The issue with that is that it, it adds a few things. It adds another skew. So right now, PlayStation five games basically just have to work on PlayStation five. There is a digital and there is a disc version, but they're the same console with or without a DVD drive. Xbox has a different issue where they have the Series X and Series S, um, where they are two different levels of power. When, when games come out for both systems, they do have to make sure to optimize the settings for both separately, right? So the whole idea for PlayStation is that if they put out a handheld that did play games natively, they would have to make sure that when those games come out, they would have to make sure they scale down to this other device. That That's money. There's a reason you've seen some developers griping about the Series S. It's not that it's not powerful enough to play games okay. It's that they have to spend the time and the resources to make it do that. So that's the main issue, I think, that I don't think Sony wants to fool with that. That's the advantage of a remote play or a streaming device is that it could basically just be a cell phone. If it, it, it only has to be powerful enough to move the data and do the, um, you know, so, some of the, the, the work done to up-res things and stuff like that, but it doesn't have to be super powerful. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to they want to sell PS5s too. I, 
I, I always say every time Sony makes a move, that the biggest difference between Sony and Xbox right now, and, and PlayStation and Xbox, is that Xbox seems content. Um, they want to sell you Game Pass subscriptions. They're happy if you buy your their console, and their consoles I think have sold pretty well. But they want you to get in the Game Pass. That's that's their goal. Where PlayStation wants you to buy PS5s. That's what they want. There's a reason they don't put their games on PC day one. There's a reason the PSVR 2 will never work with a PC. It will require a PS5 because they want you to buy a PS5 first. And the same logic, I think, comes down to this handheld device. I've seen people say like, oh, there's no way they would do remote play only. And there absolutely is because what that would do is require a PS5 and it would sell a PS5 if someone wanted one of these. The issue is that there may not be as much demand for this device as they think or as they want, it's similar to the PSVR 2. So it, it's it's a really interesting story. I, I, I've honestly found this to be a, a really interesting thing. Um, it, it's been so interesting seeing people who are very into this world, into the gaming world and you know, journalists and commentators and stuff be like flabbergasted by this idea that Sony would do this. It's not surprising at all to me if this is just a remote play or even a streaming device, it wouldn't be that expensive for them to develop it. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a known quantity. There's, I think, uh, LG, I think has one of these and there's all kinds of these devices already. Now this one having the Sony you know, branding, the PlayStation branding. It's kind of like how Apple can throw their name on almost anything and people are going to buy it. Uh, and Sony can do that too. They, they have that aura. They have that re reputation, right? And so I don't think this has to be a revolutionary thing. I, and I've, so this the second conversation I've seen is, well, if it is just a streaming or remote play device, how expensive will it be? And I've seen people say that it can't be over $200. And... I think that is normally true, but this is PlayStation that we're dealing with. The big thing that you have to think about, and this isn't like a console war thing, but Sony and Microsoft are are, are two companies not even in the same category. And, 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 and as much as people want to tee off PlayStation and Xbox, which is fair, they are competing uh, parts of the companies that own them. When you pull back, the big difference that you see and in, in the, in the and this explains a lot if you've never thought about it i believe from what i've heard and read and i guess i should probably go find citation uh, if you want me to yell at me and i will i'm fairly certain that playstation is sony's best department makes the most money is the most profitable is their best performing department Xbox does okay under Microsoft, but they're Azure, like the, the, the Xbox is like a project for Microsoft where PlayStation is essential for Sony. So when you see them make decisions, Xbox is a little more okay with being second place or third place, depending on how you look at it. They're okay to just do some cool stuff, be a little disruptive, that they're okay to, to, to compete but not win because they don't have to. Um, more than anything, Xbox puts the word Microsoft into people's homes, into people's mouths, on ads. Um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a thing of if it breaks even, they're probably happy. And, and I believe it makes money. But 
if Xbox shut down tomorrow, it would be a blip to Microsoft, but they would be fine. It would suck for them. It wouldn't be a fun day, but they would get over it. If PlayStation shut down tomorrow, Sony would shut down. And so people, you know, you need to consider this. I believe Microsoft at one point when I've looked in the past is 10 to 12 times bigger when it comes to market, like when it comes to worth and how much money and power they have. I, I believe Xbox is at, or, or Microsoft is at least 10 times more significant than Sony because you're talking about a, a company that makes gaming systems and TVs and headphones against this like multi-trillion dollar, you know, monolith of technology in our daily lives. But when you break it down to the PlayStation and Xbox, it's a different story. You have PlayStation just dominating Xbox, even in this generation. I think it's a fair fight this time. And I think by the end of this gen, it will be closer than it was last. But PlayStation still, they have the user base. They have the games. They have a lot of things going for them. And even when they stumble and fall, and even when they put out PSVR 2 and probably this remote play device that aren't super popular, they'll be okay because they have God of War. They have The Last of Us. They have Horizon. They have... You know the the thing that matters the most uh even if they don't do some of the smaller things very well so yeah this playstation handheld thing i think it's legit i don't know if we'll actually see it um i i think that you know better minds may prevail and be like hey like i don't think people are really asking for this but if it comes out i think it'll sell okay it'll get panned a little bit especially if it can't play natively but the problem is is that in, in my last rant started off with people are saying already that this thing can only be 200 bucks say even if it's only remote play i bet this thing would be three or four hundred dollars because their name is on it and 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 i think they know that maybe not that many people will buy it but the ones who will will pay um and if they make it native i mean you're talking about six seven hundred dollars probably more than the playstation 5 and it wouldn't be as powerful but if you do that then your customers will start saying like, well, shouldn't I just get a Steam Deck? Or maybe I should just have a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox and I can play, you know, all the, you know, and it just turns into this thing where like you can price yourself out. And so I don't know. I think it's an interesting story. I'm really curious if they end up going through with this or not, but I believe it. this isn't surprising at all. I believe that Xbox almost certainly is at least exploring the handheld market. I think Xbox would actually try to do a native machine. I think they would basically try to scale down the Series S and make it into a handheld, but that very wording because then then publishers, you know, developers would still only have to develop for two platforms. Um, it would just the handheld and the home system would both be the Series S basically. But I would be amazed if we actually saw that hit the shelves. But we'll have to wait and see. Story number two, uh, Jeff Keighley confirms Gamescom opening night live 2023. So Gamescom is a huge, very consumer based uh, and focused uh, gaming show that happens in Germany every year. Last year was one it was it was one of the first shows to do a big in-person show again after the covid debacle. And um, it, it was pretty big and it seems like it went really well from what I had seen people talk about. 
Um, but what was new, I believe, last year was that Jeff Keighley, using his The Game Awards and Summer Game Fest branding, um, did an opening night live. And um, I know I've been dogging a lot on this, but it's mostly been in response to people, I think, being too easy to kick E3 away and not realize how much that sucks. But like one of my main criticisms of, of Keeley um, is the Game Awards are pretty good, but imperfect. The Summer Game Fest last year was just not was just OK. The Gamescom opening night live last year, I streamed it. I, I remember making a schedule. I, I took the time to stream it and it was abysmal. It was it was bad. Like it wasn't just like kind of disappointing. It was again, I feel like we say the same thing every time. It was too long. It had too many like ad type things and it had, as far as I can remember, zero interesting announcements. And so you were at the it ends and you're just kind of like, OK, like, you know, Gamescom isn't really a place where news breaks typically. And so it's not that surprising that an opening night live, even with Keeley, doesn't have big news. But like, why do it? Um, to me, it really made me feel like he's silly for doing this. I, I really think he should focus on the Game Awards and make Summer Games Fest better because, uh, you know, he's he's going to do Summer Games Fest in June. And then just a few months later, he's going to do this. Uh, you know, you would think that even for his own interest, he would be more likely to try to get any big announcements at Summer Game Fest. But there have been people who said that, you know, if there were any companies that were screwed over by E3 canceling, that maybe they would take that time to maybe have some big announcements for Gamescom. I don't know. I'm not expecting it because I don't think that's the kind of show Gamescom is. So I think it's cool that Keeley is doing this opening night live again, but much like my sentiment about Summer Games Fest last year, I hope it's a lot better. Um, because last year it was bad and he's been spitting a lot of crap and talking a lot of uh, a, a lot of shit about E3 and being very petty and, and really um, and, and really being, in my opinion, kind of cringe. Um, this Summer Game Fest and even this Gamescom thing better be amazing. Like they better be better than anything E3 ever did. Because he's really setting a, you know, if he's so willing to dog on those, he better do better than them because so far he hasn't. Um, at least that's my take. So I'm curious about this. I'm sure I'll be an idiot and end up streaming it anyways. But um, I, I'm like so mid on this because I don't think Gamescom is a thing that really needs this um, because I think we should just be getting that in June. But with, um, hopefully it's awesome. It'd be great to have more big announcement times. Uh, to not just think about the summer, but we will see. Story number three, Sony responds very interestingly to the change of the CMA stance. Uh, so this is in regards to the Xbox acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Um, they basically um, see the CMA, which is the the, the United Kingdom, the British um, regulatory board, who's been probably the staunchest group against the acquisition, um, came out and basically seems like they've softened and like they're going to let this go through. And the thinking is that if they let it go through, the dominoes are going to fall extremely quickly after that. And we will see the rest of the, the regulatory places will probably get their jabs in, but for the most part are going to let this happen. And some people think this deal could happen by June. Um, I'm a little skeptical on that. I would say by the end of the year, 
by uh, Sony, uh, in response to the CMA relaxing some of their rhetoric on this, said a few things. Um, one, they came out and said pretty blatantly that uh, they believe that the CMA is being irrational and that their decision is surprising, basically ripping on them and saying that um, they're, they're really, Sony is, let's, let's remember here, this isn't like a console war thing. This is Sony's attorneys doing their best, right? Like trying anything to stop this deal. But they've been so focused on this thing where they keep proposing that um, even with this 10-year Call of Duty deal that will probably continue beyond that to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, that, that Sony is and their attorneys are just positive that the Xbox is going to make the version of the game that goes to them worse, which just doesn't make sense. Like, it's so silly. And what's so funny about it to me is that, you know, maybe this is my own biases coming out, but this feels like such a self-report. Like this feels like, like I, I wanna look at every one of these games that Sony has had like the ad rights to or had uh, temporary or, you know, long-term exclusivity that maybe eventually came to Xbox. I wanna see every one of these games and see if there's any evidence at all that the games that went to Xbox were flawed in some capacity or did seem to be held back in some capacity because this, you know, they, they keep bringing this up and it just feels so much like, have you guys done this? And now you're worried it's going to come back at you. Like it's such a weird thing for them to get stuck on. There was also a really funny part of this where um, it was discussing how the call of duty potentially being exclusive or just the fact that xbox will own it may make people want to switch to xbox which like just makes you like want to like just squeeze your head until it pops because it's like yeah that's why they're buying them like but they can't be anti-competitive like that's the whole argument and they uh the, the the sony attorney said call of duties are gamers are very sophisticated and like trying to pump them up a little bit be like but even then they they can't you know they, they may fall for this trick or whatever which like calling the i want uh, that attorney to load up the average call of duty lobby and turn on his uh his mic his his, his headphones and listen to the conversations happening i think calling call of duty players sophisticated which includes me let's be let's be honest is a bit of a stretch um this saga goes on um it's it's silly uh it, it's it seems like i always felt like this deal was inevitable i've you know obviously all the journalists and and all of the publications have had to do the game of like who will it or won't it happen and it's it was going to happen this whole time like it's never been in question i never once thought that this wasn't going to happen but here we are, they're still going through, they're still throwing their punches, but these feel like death rows to me. These feel like Sony just you know, sticking with their story, but probably understanding this is done and it's gonna happen. And they're probably just gonna try to get as many concessions as they can. I honestly think that that part of this may not even be that big of a deal at this point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there aren't that many concessions that have to happen, but we will, uh, we will wait and see. Story number four, the Xbox series uh, consoles are getting cheaper memory cards. Um, so arguably one of the worst decisions that Microsoft made with this generation of consoles was to do these proprietary memory cards. Um, so there was this whole idea that um, so the series S and X, uh, as well as the PS5, have um, NVMe M.2 solid state drives. 
Um, and what that is, is, is it's not just like, like you can have a solid state drive that's, you know, like a plug in one or just a regular one. Um, but those still go through, uh, I'll break it down uh, so I can explain it well, but also for maybe you aren't super into computers. Um, a regular solid state drive that's plugged in the same as your old hard drive has to go through a lot of pipes before it gets to the processor and before you see the result of its of its processing, right? The NVMe M.2s are unique because they basically um, they get rid of a lot of the inefficiency. Um, it, it, it's many NVMe M.2s are almost directly connected to your CPU, which means that they can just make things happen real fast. And so what's cool about the PlayStation 5 and the series consoles is that they have that technology. So not only, you know, just last gen, they still had like 5,600 RPM uh, hard drives in the last gen of consoles. We've gone from that to like this hilariously fast and extremely impressive solid state drives. Now, the difference is, is that Sony, um, their expansion option is literally just another M.2 NVMe spot where you can take off the cover. I, one of those, it has to be compatible and it is a little restrictive, but you buy one and you just pop it in there. It formats it and you can use that memory, a terabyte, two terabytes, four terabytes, however much it can handle. With Microsoft, what they did is they went back to memory cards. Now they are M.2 NVMe drives and it is kind of neat that the proprietary hookup they have in the back of an Xbox it's just a simplified NVMe M.2 connector um, and it is nice because you just pop it in and out and you can have you can have a handful of these memory cards a terabyte each and have hundreds of games I, I guess but most people aren't doing that and the main issue has been that while the PlayStation verified M.2s um, were kind of expensive right when the consoles came out. We're coming on three years later and they have dropped in price quite a bit. I saw people saying you could get them for under $100, like a gig or, or, or a terabyte or more. I didn't see that when I looked um, because you can get cheaper ones, but they won't take full advantage of PlayStation's connection. So if you get the good ones, you're still looking at, I think, around $130 to $170, which is fine where the cheapest, at least for a long time, the cheapest one terabyte option for the Xbox was $220. And it was only Seagate sold them. That was who they partnered with. The big news this week, and what this story is eventually coming to, is Best Buy leaked an ad for a Western Digital, which is a different company than Seagate, um, one terabyte drive for the Xbox that was $180. So, you know, that's really cool. It's $40 cheaper than the Western Digital. I've seen some people kind of throw up their hands still and be like, hey, that's still $40, $50 more than what you can do on PlayStation. That's probably just going to stay like that because PlayStation doesn't have a proprietary uh, hookup and Xbox does. So you're going to pay at least a small tax because there's proprietary that's just you're not going to get away from that that makes it still in my opinion probably a bad decision by xbox to do this so it's still but it does make giving yourself that one more terabyte more realistic more affordable to a point and more competitive with what you would pay if you were doing the same thing in your pc or on a playstation so 
and now that ad got pulled and so it seems like they it was an accidental it's just early my guess is they're going to announce this uh, formally at their showcase in june um, but we'll have to wait and see the real thing they could do to really get people back on their side and to relieve this issue is to sell an adapter it'd be basically a large memory card that uses their proprietary hookup but it's empty and it would allow you to purchase your own compatible m.2 nvme pop it in there because they are easy to install stick it in the back of your system and it just works this is unlikely because i bet they've they've signed deals with seagate and now western digital and probably other companies uh, that say they can't do that people have done this on their own people have figured out that proprietary connector and they have even sold a blank one where you can stick in your own memory but i believe xbox is pretty um is it, pretty quick to disable those devices unfortunately so what we what they need to do is that because then you leave these you know more affordable options than they were before you know of these plug-in ones that you buy from western digital from seagate for someone who doesn't want to mess with hardware but then you give an option to people who are more competent and are willing to do this to make their own memory cards basically uh, maybe you sell the device for i don't know 50 bucks and then the person has to buy their own so it ends up maybe not being that much cheaper initially but it still gives people that choice that's what i think they should do i think that would be a really good way for them to alleviate this thing a little bit um but we'll have to wait and see i don't expect that to happen i do hope that they can get these one terabyte cards down to as close to 100 bucks as they can i, I think that's what they need to do even if that means they're kind of subsidizing them but Xbox is subsidizing a lot of things right now, so maybe that's uh, maybe that's a bridge too far. For what it's worth on my own use, I just have my base system with one terabyte and my Series X. I keep eight games or ten games at any given time, and I've never had. Um, I just if I want to add a new game, I just delete one that I'm not playing because there's always at least one or two I'm not playing, and I put the new one on. I've never had an issue with this. Um, the Xbox. Um, its base memory is actually pretty good. Um, PlayStation has a weird formatting thing with their operating system where I think you only get like 600 gigs of your one terabyte, but on the Xbox, I believe it's closer to 850 or 900 gigs of your terabyte. Um, so it does go a little further, and that to me has never been an issue so far. I'm sure other people have different situations or they just want all their games immediately available. So there's their option. Hopefully this gets better. Okay, No Man's Sky Interceptor update is our fifth story. Um, this is a fairly quick one. Um, I think it's really interesting. This I, Every time they do an update, I talk about it on the show. I don't even play No Man's Sky. I've dabbled. I've actually played a decent amount over the years. I was one of the people who pre-ordered it and got my refund because it was bad at first. But all I just want to say about this game, like I don't even fully understand this update. It's got a bunch of new stuff. My biggest thing about it is that I just wish that any of the games I like, specifically the live service games, got support like this game does. I mean, it's 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 honestly wild. It's it is it's crazy. Like it's 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 borderline silly how how good their support has been um, for this game. And you know, like I've always seen people they always will reference like, well, maybe this this new game 
can have its no man's sky moment. And every time I want to just reach through the screen and just pop the person in the mouth because no game, I don't think any game will ever have a moment like no man's sky has because relatively quickly within a, a year or two, no man's sky, I think brought that game up to a standard that it should have been at launch. But what they've done since then is pushed it beyond anything anyone I think could have ever imagined for this game. I mean, it's wild. It's huge. The thing they've added everything that they lied about before it came out and and 10 times more. And it's so cool. And while I've never gotten super into it, I've dabbled. But to me, it's almost kind of like Destiny 2 where it's just there's so much to learn. It just feels unapproachable. And I've tried because it's cool. You can you can buy and command these giant fleets now and you can own these huge freighters. And I think even like battleships and stuff now, like it's a big deal, but it's just too much. I've tried and I just can't get super into it at this point, but it is still fun to dabble in. And if there's a game, if you're looking for a game to sink your life into, it's there. This is the game. Um, if you like the space exploration kind of thing. Um, and there is a story. It's pretty minimal, but it's still cool. So good for No Man's Sky. I hope they keep killing it. Uh, let's you know see if they ever do a No Man's Sky 2. Uh, my sixth story here is about the Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, so I made a what I would probably call an, a somewhat uh, erroneous tweet or, or maybe just like an overly aggressive tweet this week. Um, and it was about uh, a particular thing that happens in the Mass Effect trilogy. Now, the Mass Effect trilogy began back in 2007. And so there are things in that trilogy that are not going to age well. And even with the Legendary Edition, they left a lot of stuff in there that you wouldn't put in a game today. Now, I brought up, and I've talked about this during my stream before as well, The there is a thing where there's a reporter that pops up in all three games, and if you, if you pick the Renegade option, which some people consider the bad guy option, um, there is a, the, the potential to, to knock this lady out. It's basically just Cole Cocker, it's Sucker Puncher, because she's asking you questions that you think are offensive or inappropriate or whatever, overly aggressive, whatever. This is a thing that, to me, has always seemed very late 2000s, kind of shocking, cringe humor. Uh, this was a time where, like, I don't think, like, violence against women was really, you know, I think it was like a punchline more so than it was a serious topic. Um, I think, you know, a violence against the media and things like that at the time it it wasn't that big of a deal because it didn't seem like it was um something that was happening in real life so doing this you know in today's standard at least in my opinion which we can all agree to disagree on stuff i guess you know there, there is violence against you know, the last year the last two years has been the most deadly time for journalists ever um mostly because of a modern war between two first world nations that's a big part of it but for other reasons as well and so i just think like i threw out there that the, the issue was i said that i think this is aged badly and it's and it's cringy i think that's fine that's just my opinion i maybe said that people who still like this are juvenile and need to grow up that's kind of shitty I still kind of feel that way, but I also understand why that's a that's a that's an unnecessary thing. Because the main people, the main thing people came back with was, well, just because I pick a choice in a game, that doesn't mean it represents my personal morality. 
it, it just you know it's a choice i made and it's a choice that you can make in the game and i think that's perfectly fine i've done my own renegade runs in mass effect there's plenty of things that shepherd does as a renegade that i personally wouldn't find morally uh okay i would find it objectionable i will say i've never punched the reporter because to me i just you know for personal reasons and just you know for personal life reasons as well i don't like the idea of of like even if you don't think it's funny or even if it's just a game which is some of the response i got too you know, a man and I play as M Shep 99% of the time. Um, and this may, you know, that, that may be a factor too. If you play as F Shep, maybe you think it's not as big of a deal. But just seeing a man cold cock a woman because she's asking him questions that he doesn't prefer, it just, uh, just gives me bad, bad vibes. I think it's, it's gross. I think it's kind of lame. And while the people who responded to me, and it was mostly women who responded to me, who probably play as F Shep, where the dynamic is a little different. Um, you know, while people did respond like, well, I just, I don't think it's funny. I just think it's a choice you can make. Um, my, I guess my issue is, is that then, then the tweet I made wasn't about you. It was about people who do think it's funny. There's, there's plenty of dudes who I've seen in streams and on YouTube and in tw on Twitter and stuff like that, who think it's hilarious that this, you know, very high ranking, well, very notable person in the military uh cold Cox, a reporter who's just asking him tough questions and they, and it's not just because it's a choice it's because i think it's funny to see a woman get 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 <laughs> clobbered so you know it, it's one of those things where like i should have been more diplomatic when i brought this issue up but I also think people need to maybe not internalize every single, you know, maybe hot take I give or that anyone gives and realize that I'm probably not talking about you. I'm probably talking about someone else who is exhibiting or who is behaving the way that I'm talking about. Um, I also should be a more diplomatic and I should make sure I, you know, don't, you know, judge other people uh, or, or, or be so broad. I think that's fair. There was one person who responded to me who got hidden and blocked because they were just being super weirdos. So for most of the people who responded and someone who even DM me privately to express their feelings on it, super cool. I appreciate it. Totally reasonable. Um, and, you know, and that's why I've kind of come to my conclusion. Um, but to that one person who I blocked, who I'm sure will never see this, you're, you're a weirdo and please just never interact with anything I ever do again. That was it was very awkward and, and very odd, a very weird way for you to respond. What I do think is interesting about that though, I am curious to how, you know, the next game, the next Mass Effect will handle stuff like that. We obviously didn't see stuff like that in Andromeda. Um, the simple fact is we're in a different time. 2023, when that game comes out, 24, 25, 26 maybe, is a different time almost 20 years later. And so, you know, I don't think we will see that stuff. Um, I hope that they are willing to be a little edgy, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I think it will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see even Dreadwolf. I think it's going to be interesting to see what a Bioware game looks like in the 2020s. So I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. It might be a while. The let's see, this is the seventh story is uh, Arc 2 has been delayed, uh, the Vin Diesel game, as most people have come to know it, and uh, they are shutting down the original Arc and replacing it with a remake that's been put on the Unreal Engine 5, and it's going to cost money. 
uh, and so will all of the DLCs and downloadable, other downloadable content they've put out. This has been an interesting story. I could care less about Ark, but the fact that the second game was supposed to come out this year, it's now not, it's now getting delayed, I, I assume to next year. And they've also had the time to do a remake of the current game that's out that people have already paid for and done all the stuff for that they're going to put out a remake for that. They're going to charge for it. And all of the download downloadable content that they're going to bring up as well is going to get charged for. I don't know. I'm just going to call it like I see it. That seems kind of shady in my opinion, um, especially like maybe if you did the update for free and then charge for the DLCs or something, I get that having a revenue stream is good, but like in that they're shutting down. It, well, okay, so to clarify, they're shutting down the official servers for the first game. In theory, you could have your own private server and continue playing the first game. But from what I've gathered from reading about this is that the official servers are the main way to play this game. It's what most people have invested their time in. And so I don't know, this seems super shady. And what I would be so upset about is I don't know if they outsourced the remake or not, but if this remake was done internally, or even if it was outsourced, they could have used those resources to just, you know, maybe not have Arc 2 get delayed. So instead of doing a remake, which is a probably a pretty big deal. Now, if Arc 1 is in Unreal Engine 4 and they're just upgrading it to 5, or even if it's in 3 and it's upgrading to 5, maybe it makes it not as intensive and not as challenging and not as expensive. But I don't know. If I was an Arc player, I'd be livid about the situation because it kind of seems like they're just going to they're just cashing in and um and i'm under the impression the fans of this series are like very serious and very gung-ho and so a lot of them are probably going to do it even if it's begrudgingly um i don't know this was just my kind of weird move of the week uh nomination um i i, I think um I think they're just cashing in and i think that blows because uh, if people are playing that game um they're probably pretty passionate about it the eighth story today is X Defiant is having a showcase on April 13th. This may be known to you as Tom Clancy's X Defiant. This is a game that is this weird free to play, I believe, attempt to basically take a bunch of Ubisoft IP and make a kind of, it's like, it's like a hero shooter Call of Duty. And it's very odd. Um, so there have been gameplay tests. The last one I participated in allowed you to talk about the game. You just couldn't record any um, any of the content. Um, this game sucks. This game is not fun. I've played a ton of Call of Duty, um, and this feels worse in every way to actually play. Now, I played an earlier build, which I think I'm also allowed to talk about. I won't, but long story short, the game has come a long way from the first time I played it to the last test that they did that we can't talk about. Um, it, it's improved a ton. I mean, it looks way better. It does play infinitely better, but it still sucks. It's still awful. It feels floaty. It just doesn't feel good. The gunplay is abysmal. Like it, it, it just feels bad. It's just a bad feeling game. It looks fine. They're making it in Snowdrop, which is the Divisions engine, but the thing about it is that you can 100% tell this game was originally meant to be a The Division first-person game, and they decided to add the Wolves and the Splinter Cell people and all this other stuff later. Um, and they, they even took away the, the Tom Clancy branding because they're adding 
is it Far Cry factions or something? I think I don't know, but it's just why are you trying to compete with Call of Duty now? Here's an interesting thing. I found this out a month or two ago that if you decry this game online, there's either extremely dedicated fans or like bots who are like obsessed with this game. And the big reason is, is that this game is not going to have skill-based matchmaking, which in the competitive shooter scene right now is like a big subject where if a game has skill-based matchmaking, it takes all your stats and tries to put you with similarly skilled people. Um, and basically some players hate that because they feel like they should just get to randomly play anyone so they can curb stomp some people and then get destroyed by others, which is fair to a point. But mostly, I think people only feel this way because they want to be able to curb stomp people. They don't want to be the ones getting curb stomped by the people way better than them. So we'll see. But the, it seems like that's the big pull. Uh, and, and the guy who's working on it, the, the lead on this, on X Defiant, is a former um, Call of Duty dev. So I think the game's abysmal. I, 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 I This is one of those games I think it's going to be out. And we'll see if, if, it, if it has servers active a year later. It's just one of those things where I just like... And, you know, some people have like really gotten into it and there seems like th I'm really curious about some of these deals and stuff. There's there are a few large creators who I've never heard of who seem to be pumping the game. Um, Ubisoft is really well known for doing deals uh, to have streamers stream things and promote things. So, you know, you know, maybe people have done this or not. Maybe they just see an opportunity to maybe get in early on a game. I just think that it. If you think this is the next big thing, I don't think you've paid attention to anything but Rainbow Six from the um, from Ubisoft. Um, that's the only multiplayer entity that's done well, and even it seems to be kind of moving towards its natural end. So I don't know. Maybe like, I, I don't want to put the wrong keywords in my description of this video or this podcast because the X Defiant uh, zombies will come after me, but. I just I don't get it. I'm so surprised that there's people who are like really into this game. And it's and what it is, is it, it almost feels like an anti Call of Duty thing rather than a pro X defiant thing. Um, I found it really interesting. So we'll see now. Why are they doing a showcase? I have no idea. I have I have no idea. There's no way this game warrants its own showcase separate from the June um, Ubisoft forward. If you want me to be totally honest, I think that the Ubisoft forward in June is probably going to make some pretty cool announcements for Ubisoft, and I suspect they want to keep the stinker as far away as they can. That's just my opinion. That's what I think they're doing. So we'll see. Okay, um, I did want to do a, a somewhat new thing um, on the podcast. I'm, I was going to start this week. I'm not going to. It was the ninth story. We're going to move it to next week because this podcast has actually been longer than I expected. Um, but I want to do a weekly topic. So next week, the first weekly topic, we'll be discussing how um, romances can be better in video games. So I'm going to try to collect some people's opinions this week about like, hey, what were your favorite romances? If you're on YouTube, please leave uh, your favorite gaming romances in the comments. Uh, if you're not, then go to the Discord um, or onto my Twitter and let me know. And um, I want to discuss that because, uh, you know, we have a Mass Effect game coming. We have a, you know, some RPGs coming, things like that. And relationships in video games, especially, you know, your your character romancing another one has been handled in like not the best ways. I feel like it's always 
kind of like do this thing and do that thing and this thing and now they love you and so i want to have a discussion about how they can make romances more um more interesting more realistic maybe more uh you know more than just complete a couple tasks and get the girl or get the guy so um you know let me know what you think about that and we will have a, a nice discussion about that next week uh, this is where I typically stop for listener questions. Uh, this week I recorded the podcast much earlier than normal because I'm busy. Um, so if you have any questions or topics or weekly topics like this, uh, anything that you want to get at me or even just feedback on the podcast, um, hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast. You can also get into the YouTube comments. You can also get into my Discord and let me know there. If you get into Discord, say hi when you get in and try to show me that you're not a bot because accounts that look like they're bot accounts, I zap instantly. So there's a heads up on that. And that's where we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any feedback, like I said before, please let me know. Any questions, any thoughts at all, um, please let me know, um, especially if you're in YouTube. Throw it in those comments. I want to hear from you. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. And uh, that's all I have for this episode of the EchoCast. Until next time. I'm going